Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for April 2nd, 2018. And we have a nine-game slate for Monday night. And it looks like a pretty tough slate to figure out right now just because there's so many shitty pitchers going that not only does that mean there's not good pitcher options, but there are so many good offensive options. So it makes it a little difficult to sort through. We'll try to figure out who we like the most on this slate, but I, I don't know how playable this is. So I, I think it's there's probably a good chance I either sit this one out or at least go light on it. Do you have similar feelings about the slate, Matt? Yeah, I think we'll kind of see if there's any spot that stands out. Maybe we'll get weather updates or something like that. But as it looks now, I think there's marginal value. Like I don't think it, it's one you have to sit out. But uh, in terms of bankroll management, I think it's definitely one to play lighter than usual. Yeah, so looking through the pitchers, like there's the pitchers who are high priced, you don't normally see these types of guys uh, being expensive. I do think it looks like there's a little bit of a change in the DraftKings pricing algorithm where it seems like every slate, kind of regardless of the quality of pitchers, they're going to put they're going to put some guys around the eleven thousand range or so, kind of whether they're typically that good of a pitch or not. So I think Charlie Morton's a pretty solid major league pitcher, probably a middle of the rotation guy. But eleven thousand one hundred is way above what his baseline is. Then we have Mike Clevenger at ten thousand four hundred. That's way above his baseline. So what do you make of these guys tomorrow? So they're all overpriced, but at least Morton has a good matchup. So Clevenger is in LA against the Angels. I would probably wouldn't pay 10400 for him in a good matchup. This is a very bad matchup, so definitely no on Clevenger. Um, same for Tanner Roark. He's 9900 That's above his baseline and a tough matchup in Atlanta. So from that top tier, like I think Morton normally should be priced in the 9000s but he's at home and he's facing the Orioles, who strike out at an above-average rate. They're a below-average offense. They've been really bad to start this season, so maybe they've gotten worse in a couple areas. I think Morton is kind of just fairly priced then. Uh, the 11100 price tag compared to his baseline just seems to have accounted for all of the matchup variables. Maybe not intentionally, but that's kind of how it's played out. Um, so I think Morton is safe. He's also going to be really popular. I think he's ju- he just makes so much more sense than everyone else at the top end, and also just because of how bad the Orioles have been offensively so far. I think Morton probably is over 50% owned on this slate. And so if you're rostering him and he doesn't do well, there's a little more security just in that the field will be faltering with you, uh, losing all those points too. But I think Morton should pitch a good game. Maybe he doesn't quite hit value, but I think his floor is pretty high. Um, Even if he gives up some runs, he should get the strikeouts too. He's a good strikeout pitcher. The Orioles strike out a lot. So I'm, I'm sort of okay with rostering Morton just because of the limited options, especially on the high end. But I wouldn't roster any other pitcher above 9,000. Yeah, and it is, uh, even if, the Orioles are not going to be as bad the rest of the season. They've been the first few games of the season because they've been ridiculously awful. But even considering how bad they've been, they still had, uh, I was looking for, what was it, 95 WRC plus against right-handed pitching last year. They strike out about a 23% clip, which is above average. And then Houston also plays as a pitcher's park overall. So Morton at 11,100, I think that he's in play, even though I think it's, fairly unlikely for him to hit value but comparing him to the other pitchers i i don't think there's anybody else priced above eight thousand that's a usable play is there anybody else that that you think in the mid-ish to high price tier is usable 
Um, I'm a little intrigued by Andrew Triggs. He's right at 8,000. But I think there are guys better than him that are cheaper. His matchup is semi-positive. The Rangers' offense is kind of okay. Uh, it's a home game for him, so he has the home field advantage boost. The game's in Oakland, which is a pitcher's park. Um, Triggs was really good at the end of 2016, but was kind of just mediocre in 2017. And he's 29 years old, so he's kind of like a late-blooming prospect. And it's it's very difficult to kind of figure out how good these guys are. So I don't know if Triggs is an average pitcher in a slightly plus matchup. I think he's okay at 8,000, but I would guess neither of us rosters him because the cheaper options are better. So it could be a slate where we go two cheap options and stack a lot of really expensive offenses or Morton and a cheaper option. I think that the, those are the two likely scenarios. All right. So there are a couple guys that I think have legitimate upside for their price tags. Uh, one of them, Sean Newcomb at 7,600. Really tough matchup against the Nationals, who are probably going to have one of the best offenses in baseball this year. But Newcomb is one of the better young pitching prospects in baseball. He's only 24 years old. Uh, he was serviceable in big leagues last year, 4.32 ERA, 4.19 FIP. Struck out just under 10 hitters per nine innings, which pretty consistent with high strikeout numbers in the minors, where he was pretty generally in the 10 to 11 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So Newcomb steamers are projected for an ERA in the low fours this year, more than a strikeout per inning. I think he's going to have a ton of really bad blow up starts this year. And I think he's going to have a bunch of really big strikeout performances. So at only 7,600, I think that he's a good GPP play at that price on most slates, but especially on this one where I think most guys tend to be overpriced. I think that he's probably the most likely pitcher to be on the GPP winning lineup on the entire slate. Would you agree with that? Well, I'm going to say it's Morton just because of the ownership. Like when when someone is in most of the lineups, they're just more likely to be in the best one. I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase then. I think he's the most likely to be in the optimal lineup. Yeah, I think that could be true. Um, just He has a lot of volatility. I think there might be some guys priced a little bit cheaper that maybe are more likely, but no, that's possible. I mean, I, I like Newcomb for his upside. There's definitely a lot of risk there. So if you're using him, like I wouldn't put him in every lineup. Uh, the Nationals are a little bit worse right now because Daniel Murphy is still on the DL. They do have some good right-handed hitters. Howie Kendrick is filling in for Murphy. He's a fine hitter. Ryan Zimmerman was really good last year. He should be good again. Um, Adam Eaton's healthy, but he is left-handed, so maybe he's not a difficult matchup. Uh, obviously, I have to mention Bryce Harper, too. So it's it's a negative matchup with the park in Atlanta, even though he's at home. But I think it's only a marginally negative matchup. And with, with the strikeout upside and the cheap price, Newcomb's worth a flyer for his upside. So I, I think he, I would maybe have him in, I don't know, half my lineups, a little bit less than half, but certainly not too many. So then you said you think that there could be other pitchers who are more likely to be in an optimal lineup than Sean Newcomb, who are priced below him. Who are those guys? I think the guys with upside are Brian Johnson and Brian Mitchell. Um, Mitchell has a really easy matchup at home against the Rockies in San Diego. Uh, Mitchell wasn't very good last year as a reliever with the Yankees, but his minor league track record is really good. So may maybe he has the upside just because he can... It's such a cheap price that I think like he doesn't need that many points for the upside. Uh, Fifty four hundred, he probably needs eleven. No, no, not to hit value. I mean to like be in consideration for optimal lineup. Like if Mitchell just goes six innings, two runs, and gets the win and puts up like fifteen plus points, there's a pretty good chance that that's 
the best pitching value on the slate. So I, I think there's a lot of upside for him, but the floor is pretty high too because he's just so cheap. And then Brian Johnson just has a really easy matchup. Um, he's been pretty good in the minors, and his numbers have been pretty up and down uh, from level to level. I forget what it is, the issue with him. Um, there was some like weird, quirky like illness or some strange injury. I can't even remember what it is exactly. I'm trying to find it, though. But either way, his, his numbers throughout his minor league career have been all over the place. Um, like He was up in AAA, and then he made the majors in 2015, and then he spent two years back in the minors. Last year, he was sort of just mediocre in five starts. But the matchup is just so strong. Like almost any pitcher in Miami against the Marlins in a strong pitcher's park that costs 6900 I think that's a little too cheap for just about anyone. And Johnson might not even be that bad. So I would try to use Newcomb, Johnson, and Mitchell probably all about the same amount. I think there's similar upside for all three of those guys. So the ones who I like the most, if I'm just ranking them, it's actually in order of price. It's Newcomb and then Johnson, and then Mitchell, although I do like all of them. Uh, with Johnson, what I like about him at the cheap price is that I, I think he's very likely to get the win. And if you get the win at 6900 it's pretty hard to not hit value. Yeah, the Red Sox uh, are actually only minus 150 favorites for this game, which seems low, but I guess Boston hasn't hit that well so far. The Marlins actually have hit pretty well. Maybe that line is too low where there's a public bias actually on the underdog. I think that that's reasonably likely. Um, I don't know much about Richards, the guy who's pitching for the Marlins. I think it's his first career start, and he was good at low levels of the minors, and they're just kind of calling him up fast because the Marlins don't have any players. But the uh, in terms of the probability of getting a win, I think, well, Newcomb's a slight underdog, and then Mitchell, I think, is a slight favorite. Yeah, the Padres are minus 115 favorites. Johnson isn't that much more likely to get the win bonus than those other guys. I still think he's the most likely. He is the most likely. I, we're definitely in agreement there. Uh, so I'm looking at Trevor Mitchell. He did have, uh, I mean, Trevor Richards. He did have good minor league numbers. Uh, Steamer projects him for a 3.8 ERA this year, which is pretty good for a rookie projection. He's 24 years old. Um, not not on any top prospect list. So he's, he's a relative unknown. Uh, but so maybe it's just the unknown element that, that people are intrigued by. Uh, sometimes I, I think if somebody's not known, it's for a reason. It probably means they're bad, except I think people could see unknown as, oh, exciting. Maybe that means he's good. Uh, but I, I think, uh, I, I'll prefer the Red Sox side of that game. Yeah, definitely. I think the Red Sox should win, but I, I'm, I'm kind of uncertain about if it's more or less likely than public perception would indicate. All right, so moving into the offenses, I think by far the top offense on the slate is the Houston Astros. They're at home against Chris Tillman. Chris Tillman was probably the pitcher we stacked the against the I think, yes, definitely. It, it would be either him, James Shields, Tyson Ross, or Urban Santana. I think those were the top four. Well, it couldn't be Tyson Ross because Tyson Ross only made a few starts. Uh, that's true also. Yeah, I think it would have to be Shields and Chris Tillman, and I think those guys are in the sim similar category of pitching quality. So Tillman last year made 24 appearances, 19 starts. Uh, there was a point in time where he just sucked so much they took him out of the rotation, and they had injuries, and they tried him back in the rotation. It didn't go well then either. He finished the year with a 7.84 ERA, a 6.93 FIP, a 20% home run to fly ball rate. So that's favorable for stack against him. He gives up a lot of his 
runs via the home run projected this year by Seymour to have a 5.67 ERA. Chris Toman is right up there with the James Shields, Derek Holland, those types of guys as the worst pitcher in baseball. If he's not the worst, he's just tied with those other guys. You can't be worse than what Tillman is, and it's ridiculous that he's still on a major league roster and let alone made the Orioles rotation after they saw him pitch last year, and they're like, yeah, we're going to try this again. So the Houston Astros, who arguably have the best offense in baseball, I I think that they're easily the top one to pay up for, and without any real obvious high-priced pitchers to use, I think it makes a lot of sense to use the Astros with a couple of these cheaper pitchers. Yeah, the Astros are my favorite offense too, but the problem that we mentioned at the beginning was that there are a lot of other offenses that have pretty high expected outputs. Um, The Astros aren't that expensive, so everything about them makes sense. It's an awful pitcher. They're at home. They only have one hitter above 5,000, so it's kind of just where they're always priced, and it's a very favorable matchup. So I have zero issue with the Astros. I just kind of have an issue with the slate overall because I think there are probably four or five other offenses where you can make a strong case for stacking them. And I think I, 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 I sort of like that if we're, we are set on who the pitching choices are. Like if we know that two of the starting pitchers are really good values, then we can kind of mix in the offenses. And if we know that one offense is a really good value, then we can kind of mix in the pitchers. But this slate has not great pitching choices and a lot of good offensive choices. So the results are just going to be really random. Like I, I do think the Astros should score the most runs, or at least they're the most likely to score the most runs. Um, but I, I would take the field over them because I think that someone else will have a big game too. Um, the Astros would be the team I stack the most, but I, I wouldn't want to have only Astros hitters. I don't think it's quite as strong of a spot relative to the field as that. I think it's hard to see me, if I was to make, say, even 20 lineups, I don't see any way I wouldn't have either a stack of an Astros player or at least have an Astros plugged into each of those lineups just because of how reasonably priced they are and how cheap the how uh, cheap the pitchers I like are. Yeah, I think that the, the reason for that is because the pitchers are cheap. But in terms of value for dollar, I think you could, well, I guess let's get to the other teams. I think you can make the same case for Oakland. They're at home against Bartolo Colon who, while he isn't as bad as Chris Tillman, is really bad. The A's have a lot of power, and they're they're pretty reasonably priced. Chris Davis is 4,600. Matt Olson's 4,100. Everyone else is below 4,000. Um, so A's stacks are going to be very inexpensive. Uh, Matt Joyce and Jed Lowry is value plays at the top of the order. Assuming Joyce bats up there, because I think he will bat lead off most of the time against righties this year. Um, Joyce is 3,400. Lowry's 3,300. So there's just so much pricing value on Oakland that it's kind of tough to determine if it makes more sense to go with Morton and a cheap guy and use a team like the A's or go with two cheap guys and use the Astros. But I, I think both make sense. So that's kind of why I would be limited in just how much Astros exposure I have. But I do think you're right. Like it, I would definitely want to have at least one Astros hitter in every lineup. Yeah, I just don't see any way that they don't score. Or even I think it's fairly unlikely they don't hit at least one home run. And I mean, it would probably coming from one of those top-of-the-order guys like Correa, Altuve, Springer, Josh Reddick. Uh, Reddick a bit cheap. He's I don't think he has any hits yet this year. He's only uh, started he, once, right? Or maybe it's twice. Twice. Okay. Um, I, th- I forgot about Reddick. He is very cheap, so that does bring the cost of the Astros stack down. He's as strong of a value play, maybe stronger um, than Lowry and Matt Joyce. Reddick is... 
priced at 3300 and he's been hitting second against righties. Yeah, that uh, that's probably going to be both of our highest-owned players, assuming we play the slate. Uh, so let me see other other stacks to use. Um, I don't I don't think there's any. There's definitely no team that I like anywhere near as much as the Astros. But I think the Red Sox are worth some exposure. Um, I don't know if I'd make any full Philly stacks, but I think Philly's guys are worth his plugs just because. Matt Harvey was so awful last year when he was available to pitch. I think there's more upside in him than somebody like uh, Chris Tillman. But Tillman, I mean, uh, Harvey was only marginally better, if at all, better than what Tillman was last year. Uh, Bartolo Colon, as you said, pitching against Oakland, those guys make sense for me also. Uh, and then the Mets also at home against Lively. I think some of their guys make sense to pay up for. Um, but still, it's it's Houston as my primary offense to target. Which other teams are you looking at to plug in? Um, so the other really cheap stack that I think would be a very strong value on most other slates, if we ha- actually had pitchers to pay up for and it made sense to you know use a cheap offense where you needed to, um, the Blue Jays are at home against the White Sox and Ronaldo Lopez. Lopez is a highly regarded prospect who we actually, I think, used a bit when he first was called up to the majors last year. Um, he had really high strikeout and really high walk numbers in AAA, so it was kind of one of those, I guess, similar to Sean Newcomb kind of pitchers where there's a lot of upside and there's also a lot of downside. Or is it bad? Oh, Greg, you got an update saying, uh, who is that, Cody Bellinger? No, that's that's Corey Seager's at bat because he's at bat and Chris Taylor's did a double. Oh, I see. But that's what that said. Carry on. Okay, so Lopez is very boomer bust is the point, and uh, the other thing is his ground ball percentage is very low. So in the minors, in AAA, he had a 36% ground ball rate, and he had a 12% home run fly ball rate. So he he was giving up a lot of fly balls, and he was giving up an above average amount of home runs on those fly balls, like per fly ball. So that sets up very poorly for, um, for downside at the major league level. Like, I do think Lopez has the potential to strike a lot of guys out, but he should give up a lot of home runs too. And in his eight starts as a major leaguer last year, he only struck out. 5.66 batters per nine innings. He walked 2.64. So the control was okay, but his ground ball percentage was 30 and his home run fly ball rate was actually only 9%. So it was a little better than league average. Um, this is, I guess, a marginal, I guess, marginally tough matchup in Toronto against the Blue Jays. I think they'll probably have about an average offense. They're just so cheap though. Josh Donaldson at 4,100 against a home run prone pitcher in Toronto. That's just way too low. And then Justin Smoke is coming off a huge game He's only 3,400, but Smoke always has power, especially uh, against right-handed pitching. He's better from the left side of the plate. Devin Travis, 3,200. Randall Grichuk, 3,200. These Blue Jays guys are just very cheap. So, like, value per dollar, I think the Blue Jays have the most upside of any team. I would not at all be surprised if, uh, if they ended up as the team with the most runs on the whole slate. So, again, like, I think the Astros are better plays just because we need expensive hitters to pay up for, and it makes more sense with the cheap pitching options, but... Just in a vacuum, I think the Blue Jays are are better for their prices. Yeah, I'm looking at Lopez's numbers, and it's it's so weird to me that he isn't able to that he wasn't able to generate more swing and misses last year. Because you watch him pitch, he has really good stuff. Um, I think fastball upper 90s and like good breaking stuff, but still only 5.66 strikeouts per nine innings, and then the swing strike percentage was low also. So nine percent isn't that low though. Like, um, that it's, it, 
It's below average, though. Yeah, it's it's less below average than his case per nine. Like 5.6 case per nine is way below league average. Um, the league average for swinging strike percentage is 10.4, but that's uh, that's for all pitchers. For starting pitchers, I think it's in the nines. So he's just a little below average for a starting pitcher at swinging strikes, yet he just doesn't strike anyone out. So I think that just shows someone who uh, has a tendency to leave a lot of – he makes a lot of mistakes. He might be ahead in the count and just accidentally throw pitches down the middle, which is kind of why he would give up so many home runs. All right. Uh, anything else to add for this slate? Because I do not. All right. Let's just recap the offenses quickly. Um, the Astros are the team with the highest expected output. Team will probably use the most, but you can definitely make a case for the Blue Jays, definitely for the A's. Um, I think the Red Sox are cheap enough against the Marlins. Very unknown pitcher that we kind of talked about. The Phillies against Harvey. Um, I guess we'll probably stay away from the Humidor game. And that is probably it. Uh, the I guess one more offense. The Indians are facing J.C. Ramirez, who was really bad last year. And the uh, Angels have a pretty bad bullpen, too. I think it's a little below average. Um, the Indians are also cheap. So I guess just throwing in another name. Um, Jose Ramirez is the Indians' most expensive hitter at 4,600. So they have a lot of upside, too. I just think it's it's a lot of offenses, and it's kind of just very hard to figure out which ones are the good ones. All right, so that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, GRNBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachSense, and we'll be back for Tuesday slate.